We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Monday, May second, two thousand and twenty-two. Welcome everybody out of April. April showers bring May flowers, they say to me, but it is raining as I record here, so. Not so sure that's how it works. Uh, you guys probably recognize me by this point. I've done this enough. If you don't, welcome to the show, Pack-A-Day Podcast. I'm Jacob Westendorf filling in for Andy Herman one more time as the end of the draft hits here doing a NFL draft deep dive. Finally, we have gotten through talking about what could be and are now talking about what is. And it was interesting to kind of go through all these cycles and see you know, some of the mock drafts and who fits in where and who doesn't and... And some of those things just to kind of gather what we know and then finding out at the end of the whole deal that we really don't know anything. And that's OK. That's part of what makes this whole process fun. Um, you know, obviously, the Packers on, on Thursday night, there was a lot of smoke about a lot of different stuff. And instead of moving around or anything, they just stick and pick. And Gutekunz kind of talked about that in his press conference after the draft, um, which I'll get to here in just a little or not after the draft, after the first night, I'll get to here in just a minute, but I'm going to go through um, everything here kind of round by round, pick by pick who Green Bay was able to snag, what I think about them, and then where this where those players could fit, um, and if there's any remaining roster holes or anything like that. So let's just dive right in. Uh, let's start Thursday night. The first round is obviously we hyped that up a bunch. A lot of people do, you know, seven round mocks, three round mocks, but I think a vast majority of people, or at least the interest level to some degree, dies out after Thursday night's first round, maybe the top 50, something like that. That's not, I don't have anything scientific about that. I'm just guessing. Uh, so feel free to tell me I'm wrong on that uh, if you can. But Thursday night, the Packers picked 22. They stuck and they picked linebacker out of Georgia, Quay Walker. And at pick number 28, in the middle of Quay Walker's press conference with the media, actually, it was kind of funny. Bill Huber from Sports Illustrated tells Quay that, uh, the, the Packers had just taken Devontae Wyatt, his teammate from Georgia. So two Georgia Bulldogs on the first night of the draft. And really the only two positions, if you want to look at Green Bay's defense on paper, where you could see a perceived weakness at this point in their two deep, you know, in their starters. Um, you know, Wyatt may not start. Walker, I assume, will be in the mix to start. Um, and I use the term start somewhat loosely just because we don't know how they're going to do. But what I can what I can tell you based on the Quay Walker pick is a lot of us before the draft, and you'll kind of see this, they didn't really pick a third safety. 
a lot of us were talking about, you know, Lewisine, Daxton Hill, players of that sort to kind of play that role that Henry Black played a year ago. And, and I've talked about it as well. One thing that I did try to point out as much as I could when we talked about the possibility that they could take a linebacker. And I'd gotten some wind that they might be interested. A lot of connected people were talking about linebackers the day of the draft. Quay Walker, Devin Lloyd was mocked to Green Bay the day of. Um, and those were really the only two. But still, they were talking about linebackers on the first day of the draft. Something I did talk about a couple times was if Green Bay were to take a linebacker, everybody was kind of talking. I use the term everybody loosely. But the discussion was that, you know, Joe Barry likes to play this. You know, they like to play those three safeties and they like to do this and they like to do these things. Well, maybe, but we only have one year of sample of Joe Barry in Green Bay. And I think what I've gathered, it was kind of the same as Mike Pettin when Mike Pettin was in Green Bay. It was like, oh, he loves to play dime. And he had that great line of like, you'll, you know, you'll fly to Miami a lot faster than you'll drive or you'll walk or whatever the last part of the line was. But basically that stopping the pass was more important than stopping the run was his point. So he played dime more often. The counter argument that I always had was maybe Pettin didn't do that out of preference. And the same for Joe Barry. Maybe Joe Barry didn't play that many DBs and safeties out of preference, but rather what he thought of his personnel and his personnel last year, obviously you're talking about Chris Barnes playing more snaps versus Henry black. Now say what you will about either of those players. Henry black's not around anymore. Chris Barnes still is, but it sounds like, and it looks like based on their actions that green Bay wants to play a more traditional two linebackers a little more often, a two, four, five, where you have your two defensive linemen, Kenny Clark and someone else, whether that's Jerron Reed, Dean Lowry, Devontae Wyatt, TJ, whomever, your two edge guys. And then in the middle, you'll have Devondre Campbell. And according to Pro Football Focus, a player comp of Devondre Campbell, carbon copy. Packer Report uh, compared him to Navarro Bowman, which I also think is interesting, just because if you look at the way the Packers have struggled to get back to the Super Bowl, and we're going back about 10 years now, is that they struggled against that 49ers defense that had Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman. And what they did was they would just play base and you can't run on us because we've got our run formation in, but it's also, we're not giving up much in the passing game. And on green Bay side of things, if Quay Walker is good right away and he may be, he may not be, he's a rookie who knows it's a flip of a coin. If he's good right away, then you're talking about a defense now that can do that and play nickel with Eric Stokes, Jair Alexander, and Rasul Douglas with Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos playing on the safety side of things. Could do some different things with the Dimebacks. You know, Keyshawn Nixon is here. He's played some a little bit over with uh, Rich Bisaccia in Las Vegas. He played a little corner there too. Shamar John Charles was a guy they liked last year. Like there are things they can do if somebody were to get hurt or something like that. But I think they wanted to play a little more quote unquote traditional defense. And I kind of like it, you know, I've seen it a lot over the last couple of years. And I know, you know, from a positional value standpoint, it's not there, you know, an off ball linebacker, the Packers hadn't taken it for all the talk about how they hadn't taken a receiver in the first round and more on that in just a little bit. They hadn't taken an off ball linebacker in the first round since AJ Hawk either. And there has certainly been a need there on that position. I kind of dig it from this side of things here is that if you look at the way the Packers have tried to play defense for the last 10 years 
And there were times where they were putting trash cans full of dirt in the linebacker position. And I don't mean that really in a fit like Jamari Lattimore, Brad Jones, Nate Palmer, the list goes on. And then they tried to like kind of get fancy and cute with it a little bit and do things like Sean Richardson, which was intriguing and interesting. Um, Morgan Burnett did quite a bit of that. They spent a top 65 pick on Josh Jones to do that. That didn't work out. Um, Adrian Amos has done some dime linebacker stuff. And I think that's okay if there's some things in there that you sprinkle in that way. But the Packers were using that as kind of a base defense or like what they wanted to be doing a very vast majority of the time. And it's just hard to do that. You know, there's a, I understand defense is positionless to some degree now, and it's a new age and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, like if a team can line up and ram it down your throat, they're going to like, I we've watched the Packers lose an NFC championship game where the opposing team probably wouldn't have had to drop back to pass one time and still could have won. Now that's an outlier. It's a big example, all that stuff. I understand, but I like the idea of playing a little more traditional on the defensive side of the ball and adding a guy in there. And you know, what's really cool about having one Devondre Campbell. Now they can have two. That would be nice. Wouldn't it? If they had two of those guys, I mean, is Dre going to be an all pro linebacker this year? Maybe probably not. That's a hard thing to duplicate. And is Quay Walker going to be the defensive rookie of the year? Probably not. There's only one of those. Walker didn't have any turnover worthy plays when he was in college. There's a lot of stuff like that, but that's okay. And he's going to be a demon on special teams right away. And they gave him number seven. So he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. I don't make the rules. I just enforce them. But I like the idea of what they're trying to do there. And I understood it as it happened, like throughout the course of the day. I just didn't believe it was going to actually happen until it did. You know, when the Packers were on the clock at 22, there were a lot of different things going. You know, Jermaine Johnson, was that going to be a route they were going to go? George Karlaftis, that was somebody that based on their past is something that you thought they could have liked. Younger player. Big, big time athlete, premium position, all that stuff. They didn't do any of that. They took Quay Walker. And we'll see how this works out on the defense, but I think he's going to play. You know, last year, Chris Barnes played a little under 30% of the snaps, but there were games where that was a little more heavy. And I think those games where they get a little more heavy, Walker's going to be able to do that. And then eventually what you hope is two, three years from now, when you maybe look to move on from Devondre Campbell, that Quay Walker's ready and able to step in and be your green dot middle linebacker. Um, but, you know, I had somebody tell me, all right, it was Quay all the way was the way that they were talking in Packers circles. So they loved it. And I think they had, just based on the way they've talked about him, some of that stuff, a top 15 grade on him, maybe higher. They loved him. They did. They loved him. And you could almost tell that they were giddy to make that selection. And honestly, so here's the receiver portion of this, right? Because obviously that's going to be part of this discussion that, and it's going to be a thing, even though they spent, you know, they didn't spend the 32nd pick, but they spent the 34th pick on a wide receiver, but whatever. I'll get to that in a minute. Once Jamison Williams was off the board at 12, there wasn't anybody worth trading up for anymore. You know, Chris Olave went 11th. Jamison Williams went 12th. Jahan Dotson a couple picks later. He was whatever to me. Um, Traylon Burks went 18th. Maybe they would have taken him at 22. I don't know. Um, it's hard to say, you know, good for the Titans on figuring something out there to quickly replace their top receiver. Green Bay maybe didn't do that. We'll see on that end of things, but we'll talk on that here in just a minute. But there wasn't a receiver worth trading up for. And frankly, once we got to that point in the first round, you know, there wasn't another receiver that went in the first round. So I don't think there was one worth picking. 
Now you could talk about maybe they should have picked one to secure it, but they did that the very next day. Um, you know, I liked George Pickens very clearly. Uh, there were some things that we don't know about that have gone on there because he didn't go all the way until pick 52. But I went, you know, John Mechie, Alec Pierce, Christian Watson, who they did pick, none of those guys. Like I said, once it was once Jamison was gone, that was the end of trading up for guys. And and I think that was okay. Even honestly, you know, what what stunk for Green Bay was that they weren't like the Falcons taking Drake London at eight was something that was problematic for them. Um because that started that run, right? So then it went Drake London, Garrett Wilson, uh, Chris Olave was moved up for, Jamison Williams was moved up for, and it kind of stinks he went to Detroit, but whatever. Jared Goff's not going to be able to get him the ball anyways. But that's the receiver portion. You know, once that was done, I know people were kind of upset about everything, but it was just like, what do you want him to do? You know, I, I don't I don't know what trade offers were. I don't know, you know, what that could have looked like, but they did end up making a move the next day, which we'll talk about again here in just a little bit. Pick. 28 was Devontae Wyatt, which to me spells the end of any of the, and I've done this too. So I'm just as guilty and I will be accountable to that. The, they won't do that. The Packers won't do that. That's not happening. Any take like that. When we talk about the draft, this first round it's gone. And that even includes Christian Watson because they took, so the Packers reportedly were trying to trade up to 32 to get Christian Watson. They gave the same offer that they did for 34 to get 32. The Vikings just reportedly didn't want to give the Packers a fifth year option on Watson. So it didn't happen in a different world where that does happen. Then green Bay would have picked 22, 28, 32. They would have taken an off ball linebacker, a 24 year old defensive tackle and a 23 year old wide receiver, all three things, older players, receivers, not premium positions, things that, pundits and myself included, like I said, I promise they will never do. Well, they did. And they will very clearly. They will because they loved Quay Walker. They took him. They liked Devonte Wyatt. They took him. Uh, Wyatt, the player is exciting. Uh, obviously there are some issues in the past with some family violence. The Packers have clearly done their homework on that. They feel comfortable with it. Hopefully it's not something that ever happens again, but that is something that admittedly had me sour on him a little bit uh, for obvious reasons on that front. But the player on the field, he can be that interior rusher. It's the player that Jerry Montgomery said that he wanted when he had press availability a couple weeks back. They wanted an interior pass rusher and Wyatt can do that. And I think he's somebody that can do that right away. He immediately steps in to this defensive line room and is the second most talented player in the room. And that's not disrespectful to Dean Lowry or Jaron Reed or TJ Slayton, but it's kind of the same deal with Kingsley Kiki that I was talking about previously was Kingsley was the second most talented player in that room when they cut him and they had to find a way to replace him. So they did with Devonte Wyatt. Wyatt is able to kind of play, you know, anywhere on those interior slots. He might do some rushing over the nose. There are some scout quotes from Bob McGinn that said they had him ranked higher than Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis went in the top 15. Davis to me was one of the best players in this class. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I think Wyatt, if you wanted to pick a, well, if you wanted to pick a rookie on defense that's likely to have the higher impact, uh, I think Wyatt is the one just because there's going to be more opportunities for him to rush the passer which is something they're going to need to do. And it's something they're going to need. They weren't able really to address edge until day three. So maybe they'll go with more defensive lineman looks on those kinds of things. I don't know. You know, that stuff remains to be seen. So after the first day, they have Quay Walker. They have Devontae Wyatt. Everybody's up in arms. Didn't take, you know, whoever it is that you wanted. George Karlaftis, Jermaine Johnson, um, receivers, you know, whoever. Didn't do any of that. And then Brian Gutekunst is asked about it in the press conference. And I I don't remember which reporter asked him, and I do apologize. Uh, I, I do want to give credit to uh, Jason Wildy specifically from ESPN Madison, just because his questions on like, hey, do you value that position, the receiver position, was something that I thought was interesting just because the Packers, it seemed like had a very large need at that position and that they didn't fill it and we didn't know how they were going to at the end of the night. And, you know, you go by the first round, you'll trade Devontae Adams, there's guys you don't move up and get one. You're not able to pick one where you're at. It's It was concerning, and I, admittedly, I was concerned. I don't know who's going to play receiver for this team. If you know if it goes all the way to pick 53, there's going to be a run on receivers again, and there was, and the Packers kind of started it, but we'll get to that in a minute. Somebody after that question asks him, do you feel like you need to pick a receiver tomorrow? And Gutekunst just kind of stone-faced goes, no. And I laughed because I'm like, he's full of it. Like, is he going to force a pick? Maybe not. But Gutekunst has never left a roster hole that large without addressing it to some degree in free agency and the draft. And that didn't mean like a fourth round pick or something like that. Although one of their fourth round picks is one of my favorites. That didn't mean that. So the draft starts, the Bucks take Logan Hall, which was somebody I thought maybe Green Bay would have taken when they took Devontae Wyatt, but they didn't. And the Bucks take Hall, and then all of a sudden, I get a message from Greg Williams, and it's all caps. Says, "Let's have a night, boys." It's like, okay, what happened? Green Bay's on the clock. They make a trade with Minnesota, pick fifty-three and pick fifty-nine to move up to thirty-four to grab Christian Watson, Ross Uglum's favorite from wide receiver out of the wide receiver out of North Dakota State University, height, weight, speed guy, one of the highest upside receivers in this class. You want to talk about guys that could be a true number one? wide receiver based on their potential. Watson was one of them. And there weren't many of those in my opinion, excuse me, in my opinion, admittedly, and I've been very on the forefront of this, you know, Watson's not a guy that I am in love with. I think there are some deficiencies there, but a couple rules of thumb. And number one is any Ted Thompson disciple 
that takes a receiver on day two of the draft, that guy's good until further notice. They just haven't missed when they've had the opportunity to do stuff like that in rounds two and three specifically. So Watson is getting the benefit of the doubt on my end. He got number nine after <laughs> I think I think the fans kind of bullied them because initially he was going to be number 82 and all of us were kind of up in arms about 82. No way. That's a bad idea. Well, it works. They changed him to number nine. Um, credit to Brandon Snide, my friend who got married this weekend. He has already purchased one and customized it so he could get the throwback. So good for him on that front. But the Packers move up for Watson. It's very clear that he was a target of theirs. And you know, Aaron Rodgers said on the McAfee show that they had six first-round grades on receivers. Um, and maybe they had a borderline first round on Watson then because clearly they targeted him and were willing to move up to 32 to get him. Or maybe like one of the guys that they had was not Jahan Dotson and they just liked Wyatt and Walker better. That's something else to consider too is the Packers very clearly are going to stick to what their board says, even what their needs are. They stick to those things. And that's a good thing. That's good process for people that want to talk about stuff like that. Um, you got to pick the best players and the Packers did that, or at least based on their evaluations, they took that. Now me in that position, you're asking me, I would have taken, you know, John Mechie, Alec Pierce, George Pickens, players like that. They didn't, they went a different direction. And now I'm hopeful that I'm, my evaluation is wrong and theirs is right. And Christian Watson is ready to roll. He's somebody that can return kickoffs for them. He did that at North Dakota state. I don't know if he will do that in green Bay, just because of the needs that they're going to have for him on the receiver side of things. But maybe, maybe, um, you know, there's another guy that could possibly be in the mix there that we'll talk about here as we get into the stuff on day three. Um, but Watson's your receiver and he's the guy that they took. They traded up to grab him. They targeted him. They clearly like him. I'm looking forward to seeing what their plans are in this offense with guys like I, to me, pretty clearly right now, the top four receivers, Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb, Christian Watson. And we'll see a competition, you know, for some of the rest of the roster spots. But I think those are your top four guys. And I'm looking forward to seeing how those things shake out, how they use those guys. It's going to be different. You know, one thing I think that we talked about a lot was the concern about, do the Packers have a number one wide receiver? And the answer is they don't. They don't. Sammy Watkins, Lazard, all of them do. They're not number one receivers. Can they find a wide receiver one by committee? They can, and that's the way they're going to have to do it. Is that going to work when it's third and five and you need a play? Because third and five, it's, I always say this, money downs go to your money players. I don't know who the Packers money player is right now in the passing game. And, and that's okay. You know, I don't have to know that right now, but they're going to have to know it. And you guys can watch. There's an example the Seahawks playoff game is the one I always point out to. They have two big third downs in that game. Devontae Adams and Jimmy Graham are the two guys that they comp or target. Maybe Jimmy Graham shouldn't be somebody that they're targeting in that position, but whatever. They did. It worked. It's all fine. And it's been Devontae in those spots. The, the argument in favor of trading Adams and it working out okay is going to be, well, now Rodgers will just play within the system and that'll help find the guys that are open. And that's great. That's awesome. That's also what Chip Kelly did when he got rid of Jeremy Macklin, Deshaun Jackson, and all the good players that were Sean, Sean McCoy in Philadelphia. He basically said, my scheme can beat yours. Now, part of that also was he had Nick Foles and Mark Sanchez and just some really bad quarterback play. The Packers have Aaron Rodgers. They're pretty good at the quarterback position right now. The question I'm going to have is, like I said, who's going to be the dude that they draw up a play for when they need one? 
when they need a drive, who's your guy? Even the Patriots, you know, somebody said to me the other day, well, the Patriots won Super Bowls with, you know, less as far as skill position talent. Okay. But maybe, you know, when they drew up big drives, Julian Edelman, Rob Gronkowski. And yeah, Brady spread the ball around, but when it was time to go and they needed a dude to make their play, watch Brady's last AFC title with the Chiefs or against the Chiefs as a Patriot. Overtime, four third downs he faces. Edelman, Edelman, Gronkowski, Gronkowski. Those plays weren't designed for those guys necessarily. That's just who they were targeting because your money downs go to your money play. So who's Green Bay's money player in the passing game? I don't know. I'm ready to find out. I'm willing to be proven wrong on that. But I am interested, and I don't think that the offense is going to be quote-unquote better without Devontae Adams. I think that that is a an easy assumption to make, and it's based entirely on, not entirely, but a lot on one pass in the NFC Divisional round where Lazard was open and he heaved the ball to Adams. Now, will it help some things? Sure. All of them? I don't know. Let's go to the third round where the Packers at pick 92. They were not able to take a tight end. I was really, I basically had this pick penciled as Jelani Woods the tight end from Virginia, but he went 20 picks earlier. Sean Ryan, offensive lineman at UCLA. My, probably my favorite pick in the class. Um, Ryan is a dude who, <laughs> one of my favorite things I read was Ben Fennell. He's got the biggest ass in the class. Uh, so he's already got that functional strength is what that means. He's able to move guys. He doesn't move great on tape, but his athletic, his athletic numbers lead you to believe that maybe he could. Um, and we'll kind of see what happens on that. But he's somebody, to me, I think he's going to be – I think his path will be similar to what Royce Newman's was last year. And what I mean by that is Royce was playing right tackle with the ones in um, training camp or uh, in OTAs. So when you've got OTAs running like that and everything, he was playing tackle. And then eventually he kicked inside the guard. And I think that's what they're going to do with Sean Ryan. I think Sean Ryan is going to play right tackle at OTAs, mini camp, stuff like that. And then when training camp hits, it's a competition at guard. Uh, I think your tackles to start the season are Bakhtiari on the left. Yosh Nyman on the right, Elton Jenkins, once he comes back, that ship has sailed. Elton Jenkins is not going to be the left guard. And somebody said the other day, I think this is probably the way the Packers are thinking, is they're going to have to give him tackle money to keep him anyway. So if you're going to have to give him tackle money, you might as well have him play tackle. And he'll be a good right tackle for this team, absolutely. So if your tackles long-term are Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins, yes, the Packers are going to re-sign Elton Jenkins. I feel very confident. And I guess I won't speak in absolutes anymore because I – can't do that. And I said, I wasn't going to do that anymore. 99% sure. Jair Alexander, Rashawn Gary, Elton Jenkins are going to be re-signing Green Bay. I am very confident in all three of those things. Um, but that's that part. So those are your tackles. Then your guard competition comes down to Josh Myers is your center. And I was listening to Peter Bukowski talk about this, how you kind of take your core players and you put them in their best positions. And then you kind of fit the others for the best five. So that's what we're doing. Jenkins tackle. Bakhtiari tackle, Myers center. And then after that, it's a competition. John Runyon Jr., um, Sean Ryan, Royce Newman, to some degree, Cole Van Lannan, Jake Hansen, maybe some other guys there. But I think Zach Tom, who I haven't talked about yet, but I'll get to here in just a minute. Guys that I think Green Bay is going to be able to plug in. And I think that Sean Ryan is going to win that job. I do. I think he is a plug and play right guard that Green Bay was able to get in the third round. Uh, he does better with picking up stunts than Royce Newman does. I think John Runyon is your left guard. 
but I sincerely look forward to that competition again in training camp. I think that is your biggest competition going into training camp is who's going to be your guards and whoever those guards are, they're not going to play musical rotation chairs throughout the course of the season. Like they did last year. Like one week it was Lucas Patrick. Then it was Royce. Then it was John Runyon. And then it was some other guys barring health. They're not going to do that. I, I said this earlier today. I'm just praying to eight pounds, six ounce baby Jesus that I can have a playoff game. I just want to see one because I haven't. Not since Green Bay has been really good and under Matt LaFleur in 2020. I just want to see a game where Bakhtiari and Jenkins, my preferred starting tackles, are healthy. And then I want to see John Runyon, Josh Myers, and Sean Ryan healthy. And let's just see if Green Bay can win with their starting preferred offensive linemen to go. Maybe that's wishful thinking, but I love this pick. It was it was awesome. I, I couldn't be happier. Round four. The Packers go with two of my favorite picks from this class. Not my favorite because I just said that was Sean Ryan. Romeo Dubs, uh, or sorry, it's Daubs. I believe that is the way that he said it was pronounced in his uh, press conference. It was Daubs. I'll have to look to be 100% sure on that. So somebody tell me in the comments what it is if I'm wrong. First, it's perfectly possible that I'm just an idiot. But I'm going to go with Dubs for the remainder thing because I think that's the coolest way to pronounce his name. So Romeo Dubs, a wide receiver and punt returner from Nevada. And then Zach Tom, offensive lineman, offensive tackle. They listed him as a center. I think he'll be able to do that out of Wake Forest. Let's start with Dubs. A wide receiver and punt returner, Gutekunst said after day two that he felt the he wouldn't call the receiver room, quote-unquote, settled. So he added two more, obviously. This feels like the Basaccia guy, a guy that Basaccia said, hey, that's my, that's my return man. You go get him for me. And they were like, okay, well, he can also be kind of a deep threat and do some stuff on offense. We want to do that too. So let's just grab him right here at 132 and be done with it. So they did. And I think he's somebody that he ran a 4-5 in a private workout, according to Aaron Wilson from Pro Football Network. So some of the stuff that's kind of going around about being a bad athlete is bad information. Um, private work at Green Bay, very clearly okay with his speed. They wouldn't take a receiver that's slow. At least I don't think so, especially as a returner. He fixes the punt return game. Or I shouldn't say that. He's a solution to the punt return game potentially, which is a good thing because then you don't have to potentially see Amari Rodgers back there. Maybe Amari Rodgers takes a step as punt returner. I don't know, but he just never looked comfortable with it. The only time he really did look comfortable with it was the last game of the year against San Francisco, which by then there were so many other things that went wrong at that game. It was like, okay, whoop-de-doo. Like, awesome. Good for him. But Dubs is somebody that I think could be the Packers kickoff and punt returner and make an instant impact that way. I know I just said earlier, Christian Watson could return kicks. The reason I don't think he will is because I think they might want Dubs to do it. And they're, they're going to need more from Watson on the offensive side of things than they are Dubs, at least early. So I'm interested to see how that goes, but I do like getting a day three guy that could be a instant contributor, um, at least in something. And on the special team side of things, you know, the Packers special teams are terrible. Horrible. They're the worst in the NFL last year, and they cost the team partially their season. And adding somebody, this is, I've talked about this a lot too, how the Packers kickoff and punt return game is something that's been butchered over and over and over again by Brian Gutekunst. Maybe he's finally taken a step to fixing that, and Dubs could be a guy that could do that. Zach Tom was the most Packer that's ever Packered that's now a Green Bay Packer. He was an offensive tackle. He played left tackle at Wake Forest. He's going to play inside East-West Shrine Bowl guys, so my guy Owen Reese has given me some insight on him, uh, he talked about him a lot in our seven-round mock. This is a guy that it felt like 
Jelani Woods was penciled in as the Packers 92 overall pick a lot. I feel like pick 140 or one of their original fifth round picks or something like that. This was penciled in quite a bit uh, was Zach Tom. And I think he's going to be their backup center. He was listed as a center, uh, which is like, so I notice now you got guys like Jake Hansen and Cole Van Lannan and, and players like that, you know, the back end of that offensive line room, especially when I get to the bottom of this list here for who they took in the seventh round of guys that could potentially have, one thing that is very clear and one of the reasons and one of the things I really do like about Brian Gutekunst is how much he values reinforcing the offensive line and especially the back half of the room. And he hasn't, he hasn't selected an offensive lineman in the first round since being the Packers general manager, but he's always found guys later and he hasn't really had to draft a starter either. You know, honestly, he drafted Elton Jenkins. That's his highest pick on an offensive lineman since being the general manager, but I think green Bay very much values offensive linemen. And that's a very good thing. In my opinion, you know, last year, everybody's like, Oh man, they, do they really need to carry 10 linemen? Yeah. Because they were this close to having to play Ben Braden or Jake Hansen in a playoff game. Like you just don't get to play your preferred starting five a lot. And green Bay is now in a position to where they're, they're deep and they're talented across the offensive line. Like, honestly, I'm not saying they run too deep and I don't know if Zach Tom or Sean Ryan or or Rashid Walker are even going to pan out, but I feel good about their ability to add competition and just kind of churn through those guys in the trenches and their ability to add guys that way. And they have, and there's more guys too. You know, Royce Newman is another guy who is now looking at, in my opinion, at least as a backup role, maybe he ends up winning a starters role, which would be awesome because that means he's playing well. But they very much value that. Tom is just another example of that. And again, they list him as a center on the card. That to me means that they have at least a plan for him to be their backup center behind Josh Myers, which is a good guy to have a contingency plan for just because Myers has been banged up. He only played six games last year and he had some injury issues at Ohio State. So that was the start of day three. And then we get to Ross Uglum's favorite pick other than Christian Watson, Kingsley Angabari from South Carolina. That's the only edge that the Packers took in this class. It was the only one, I mean, I guess they, uh, since the first round, it was the only time it would have really made sense when you have you know, Jermaine Johnson and Carl Aftis and those guys available. The Packers clearly valued Walker and Wyatt more in those cases. They didn't trade up for like David Ojabo or Josh Pascal or anybody like that on the second day of the draft. So they weren't able to do that because they traded up for Christian Watson. But this guy, from an athlete standpoint, this is the outlier, right? Everybody loves them Rass scores and the and the tables that they have and his score is not very high um it's a yellow which means he's a neutral athlete based on those profiles um but he's a technician and he's able to kind of win with power and he uses his hands very well and i'm going to be curious to see how this shakes out you know edge three gutekunst said yesterday that they like the guys they have in that room um so that means, you know, Randy Ramsey's coming back off of an injury. I don't know how much I'd be counting on him, but they might be. Jonathan Garvin, that's a guy who's been here for a little while. Tipa Nalea is a guy who's been here for a while. Now you had Angabari in there. He's somebody who, it's not going to surprise me if a fifth-round pick is their third edge rusher by the end of the season. Now, it may not be a thing at the beginning of the year, but by the end of the year, that might be a thing. I'm interested to see how that goes, at minimum. They moved back a bunch in round five to end up with four seventh round picks. And they took a bunch of guys that I think are going to contribute primarily on special teams. The interesting names, Tariq Carpenter, Jonathan Ford. Those are guys that are 
Uh, at the front end of that class, the primary special teamers, Jonathan Ford might be brought in to be a field goal uh, protector, which is objectively hilarious that that would be a thing, but it could be. Uh, Rashid Walker is famous for pancaking a guy and then extracurricular activity as he pancakes him. And it's pretty hilarious. So feel free to go look that up when you get some spare time. Walker's another guy. He could have been a fourth round pick. I thought the Packers got him in the seventh. There might be something there. Who knows? But he's a guy, again, played tackle, might kick inside to guard and could be somebody that again, competes in the back half of that offensive line room. One thing that is very clear here is you are on notice. If you're in the back half of that offensive line room, if you're not a starter, you may not make the team. I mean, that's very possible. Like you may not make the team. Now there are guys obviously that green Bay could have and like just prefer like Royce Newman. I would be very surprised if he didn't make the team, but just players like that, you know, that may not start, may not make the team. So Walker's one of those guys that could add to that. Samari Torre from Nebraska, very highly productive receiver from uh, two-time fake national champion, Scott Frost's program and good for Scott Frost for having two fake national championships. That really is incredible to me that that's possible, but kudos to you, sir. One as a coach and one as a player. Really is phenomenal. Beside the point, Toure is somebody, I think he's going to be like your special teams guy. He's a bigger bodied receiver. Uh, he's going to contribute uh, potentially as a punt gunner or something like that. I think that could be something they're looking at him as. Maybe he ends up contributing as a receiver. That's just hard to envision that he would do that. So if you look at the receiver room right now, there are four guys that I think, and probably five, that are probably roster locks at this point. Uh, Amari Ra- or Amari Ra- Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, Sammy Watkins, Christian Watson, and really it's six, Romeo Dubs and Amari Rogers. I think those six guys have to feel really good about their chances to make the team. If they're going to keep seven, which they could, it is the modern NFL now, they could very well keep seven guys in that receiver room, and it wouldn't be all that surprising or out of the ordinary. Now you're talking about Malik Taylor, Juwan Winfrey, and Samari Torre, and other guys on drafted free and stuff they may add throughout the course of time here. Number one, I think this closes the door on any potential veteran and um, addition because now you're talking about bumping all those guys down a slot. Maybe Amari Rogers could be just a special teams guy, but like he's too small for like he's not going to go cover a kick, so that's not going to be a thing. And I just don't think they're at like if anybody tells you like oh they're still connected to Julio Jones or. Odell Beckham or, or trading to this guy or, you know, I just, I think that's over unless there's an injury that suffered knock on wood between now and camp. These are the guys they're going to run with. It's just a matter of who's receiver seven and Malik Taylor seems to be the odds on favorite right now. But like my take on Taylor has always been like, he's the, they're like, Oh, he's a really good special teamer. It's like, he was a good special teamer on the worst special teams in football last year. So how good of a special teamer is he really? And there's a couple boneheaded plays from last year. Like he was a kickoff returner. He caught a ball that ended up bringing him out of bounds that probably would have bounced out of bounds, or he should have figured out a way to do something of that Oak to keep him in bounds. I, I could give or take him. The same is true for Juwan Winfrey and, and Torre is there. So I think those three guys are competing for spots on special teams and, and seeing what happens there. So that was the, the thought process on those seven round picks overall. I thought Green Bay did a good job. You know, if I had to go with what I liked, I liked that they grabbed three guys in the top 50. I maybe not necessarily liked all of those guys specifically, but uh, Christian Watson is somebody that they have has a wide receiver one upside. Uh, Quay Walker and, and Devontae Wyatt are both going to have roles on this defense immediately. Sean Ryan, like I said, is a an instant starter, or at least I think he can be. 
Uh, and it's going to be firmly in that competition to start, at least at guard. I, I, I very much believe that is going to be the case as we get through OTAs and into training camp and everything like that. If I had to pick things that I didn't like, um, you know, I didn't necessarily love that they weren't able to address edge until the fifth round. And I would, I mean, I told you, I don't love that they had to trade up all that way to select a receiver that was lower on my personal board than some others. Um, but at the same time, I feel pretty confident in saying that if green Bay had just sat and waited at 53, there probably would have been a bunch of receivers pick clean over them. And then the Packers would have been sitting there with their thumb in their hand again. Like that's just, it was a tough spot to be in. And for Gutekunst to say like, Oh, I'm not like, I don't feel the need that we have to pick a receiver. Like it's, it's proven now he lied. Like <laughs> He lied because he was trying to trade up to pick 32 before or before he said that. And then he did trade up to pick 34 to take Watson. So he did feel that he had to pick a receiver and he ended up picking three of them to only make the team most likely, but still he picked three guys. He definitely felt the need to do that. Outside of that, I don't have a lot of qualms with what they did. Uh, you know, Quay Walker, not the guy I would have picked at 22. My guy, you know, I would have taken Jermaine Johnson or George Karlaftis in that spot. But like I said, I think they had a top 10 grade on, on Quay Walker. So if they had that, and if he can be good, then I kind of like the idea of what they're trying to get at, at least in the middle of Green Bay's defense could be formidable, which is something that when's the last time we were able to say that? It's been a while, right? So I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. OTAs, mini camps, training camp, all that stuff uh, going through there. But if I had to you know, venture a guess of which which player I think has the biggest impact in, in 2022 right now, my guess is going to be Sean Ryan just because I think he could start 17 games at guard. And I don't think I could say the same for – you know, Quay Walker or Devontae Wyatt or Christian Watson and Watson. And those guys will contribute. It just may not be to that level. One thing I've, I think I'm the most thrilled about is potentially that Sean Ryan here, pick 92, that's the third round pick. He might be the one to break that curse of the third round picks that are usually trash. Or they have been for like 10 years. So I'm looking forward to that. Not giving up on Amari Rogers or Josiah DeGuar yet, but the guys before that. The guys that aren't on the team anymore, are not in the league, stuff like that. So excited for that. Thank you guys so much for having me for this. I'm looking forward uh, to getting to talk more football uh, as we get through the rest of this offseason and talking, again, less about what could be and more about what will be. I'm very thankful that we don't have to do Panda Watch this entire offseason with the quarterback. He's coming. We know he's here. And the Green Bay Packers are in good hands with the league MVP. I will say one other thing that I'm surprised about. I don't know if surprise is the right word. That, but Jordan Love... Brian Gutekunst said that he wouldn't tell us even if he did take offers on Jordan Love, but I thought maybe he might have. Aaron Rodgers said on the mat, he used the phrase a few more years on McAfee's show. If Jordan Love plays two more seasons, they're not re-signing him. Well, shouldn't say they're not. They should not re-sign him. If you know Rodgers is coming back this time next year, then picking up his option, Love's option would be irresponsible financially. And add in that you'll probably know, well, hopefully, I mean, honestly, hopefully, the only time you've seen him is in the preseason or garbage time. And I say hopefully just because you don't want an injury to the starting quarterback, obviously. I'll be interested to see. So what you're rooting for now, one take I have, and I'm going to fire this until preseason's over. Jordan loves to take every single snap in the preseason, all of them, all three games, every single snap. With all due respect to Kurt Bankert, there's no upside to letting him get those reps. Jordan Love, if he lights it up for entire games, 
Maybe he nets you a higher pick in a trade next year. Who knows? A lot to be seen there, but that's what I would do. I was at least a little surprised that we didn't hear more about him potentially being moved, but we didn't. And we'll see what happens here. Maybe, you know, maybe he is the quarterback next season. I don't know. We don't know right now, um, but I was at least a little surprised to see that Green Bay didn't do anything on that front, or at least it wasn't hurt. So let him play every single snap, all of them, every single one. That's going to do it for this edition of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Follow the show at Pack-A-Day Podcast on Twitter. You can follow me. I'm at Jacob Westerf. Appreciate you guys hanging with me throughout the draft here. It's been a lot of fun being able to talk to you guys. I'll be around uh, looking forward to breaking down this draft some more, getting to know some of these guys, seeing some tapes. I love the sneaked videos from fans that go to mini camps and OTAs and stuff like that. That'll be a lot of fun getting some stuff. It almost feels like football season again. We're in May, so we're over halfway there, right? Training camp will start in July, and then before you know it, it'll be September, and we're sitting here hoping the Packers can get to another Super Bowl. In the meantime, like I said, follow me, follow the podcast, like, rate, subscribe, all that fun stuff. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. during the Jeep celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.